Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Hello and welcome to the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in or downloading or whatever you're doing to listen uh, along with us. I'm Kevin and I'm here with Franklin and Cody. What's up, guys? As always, you missed it. <laughs> As you, always, you, yeah. you always say it. Uh, <laughs> As always, it's a great day to be here. I'll keep it. I'll keep my thing going. What you got? Huh. <laughs> apparently, we all have certain things that apparently, we say each time. I, what do you always say? Cody? I haven't figured mine out yet. I know. I've I've <laughs> always caught on to you saying. As always, I'm here with Franklin. Right. We're, we're yeah, 18 Cody. episodes in, and I still haven't picked one. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Not Maybe everybody's you can start one with this episode. Yeah. How's it going, Cody? Great. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Kevin. <laughs> so oh. we are uh, continuing our conversation through the Gospel of Matthew. We're up to chapter 10 now. And um, chapter 10 is the famous sending out the 12 disciples. But before Jesus sends them out, we get to learn who the 12 disciples are. Which this is always, honestly, for something, uh, for, for someone who takes the Bible seriously and has for some time now. I don't think I could tell you off the top of my head who the 12 disciples were without missing one or two people. And I made it a point as we were working through, or as I was preparing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn. You know, I should know the original 12 disciples, who they are. And so, we, I mean, we get them right here so we can roll through who they are. Um so Peter lists, Peter, <laughs> that's the first disciple that Jesus lists. So he lists Simon, or he goes by uh, Peter sometimes. Do, so we know, some, do we know why? Sorry. The two different names? Yeah. It's, I, I can't tell you for sure, although it's not uncommon I was gonna that say, they have okay. uh, two different names. Fairly common. It is? It was yeah. in, in that time then? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. And some of it has to do with language, I think. Like, uh, I don't know that if it's it's the same thing, but some people will say, um, Paul, like the Apostle Paul, yeah, his yeah. name was changed into Paul from Saul, right? Which just isn't the case. He's his he goes by Saul and Paul. There's a Hebrew name and a Greek name for him, and that's how it works. I don't know that it's the same thing for Simon Peter, yeah, for yeah. Peter, Peter. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, so, no, that's you, cool. Yeah, no, I was just good. curious. I've always been curious about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so Simon Peter's first, and then we have Andrew, which I like. Matthew tells us is Simon's brother, so we know there's brothers there. Um, and then we have James and John, brothers, the sons of Zebedee. And um, I was just uh, paying attention that Matthew says James is the son of Zebedee, and John is James's brother, which is a nice way to say it. I, I was just thinking, why wouldn't he say is also the son of Zebedee? Why is James the son of, or John the son of James? Younger brother. Is that what it is? I don't know. It might be. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you have your hierarchy in the, in the family. Sure. Back then, oldest brother was always the decider. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was the, the firstborn. The next in command. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're probably right. Yeah. Okay. Those those two or those four were the first four called too. That's right. Yeah. Uh, James, James's son. Yeah. James and John were called out of the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And who, yeah, who left their father? Right. Yeah. Yep. So um, it was just cool to add that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I thought that was just keeping it in line. Yeah. <laughs> so we got uh, <laughs> Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, then Philip, Bartholomew, and Thomas. Those three, at least for Matthew, have no like 
Philip the brother of or the son of. They're just Philip, Bartholomew, and Thomas. Then we have Matthew, the tax collector, which tradition says that the tax collector is this is the one that this gospel is named after, who, who is attributed to, that Matthew, the tax collector, wrote this gospel. It wasn't some other Matthew. It was one of the disciples. And then another James in the group, but this one is the son of Alphaeus. And then Thaddeus. And then another Simon. This is where it gets confusing with the disciples. We have duplicate names and we have some people with double names. Um, Simon the Zealot. And then Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, Jesus. Which is, um, I kind of feel bad for Judas there because he's <laughs> he's the one. I mean, what a description to give somebody. Which Judas are you? Oh, you're the one who betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. But he has his last name too, which I thought was interesting. The only that one. None of the other people have that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Matt, I would say Matthew has to make sure that people know that's that right. it was Judas Iscariot, not any other Judas out there. It yeah. was yeah. specifically. Because there's another Judas who shows up. And it's interesting when he shows up, the writer says, not that Judas, but Judas Iscariot. Yeah. So. I'm sure that other Judas was happy about the clarity there. He's like, whoa, whoa, not me. <laughs> it wasn't me. Right. So waters might be murky here, um, okay. but I'm taking a shot in the dark. And I'm, didn't Peter, Peter betrayed Jesus too, didn't he? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, he, he, he denied him. him. No, deni- okay, so he denied him. Why did Why did uh, Matthew not say that? Um. Well, he's going to. Oh. So in. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. So in Matthew 20. No, that's Jesus talking. What's 25? Parables. uh, Six. Last Supper. 20. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he he actually makes it a big thing. So in in Matthew 26, Matthew writes about Jesus predicting Peter's denial. And then in Matthew 20, later on, um, 20, no, still in 26, then it says, then, then we have that whole story about Peter denying Jesus three times. Why do you think it wasn't here? So, uh, hot take oh, for me. that's it, what you're it, asking. Yeah. Just a general question. Hot, hot yeah. take for me is like, uh, because even though, yes, Peter did deny Jesus three times, at the end of the day, he ended up having faith and believing. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, off the top of my head, I can't recall, but did Judas ever come back and say, yep, by faith, he is my savior? No, he didn't say that. The tricky part is Jesus, or wow, Judas returns the money. He is sorrowful. He's remorseful about what he's done. And then he hangs himself. So is that, was he in a state of repentance when he returned the cash? I don't know. Right. But And so I think that's the difference here is where Peter uh, openly, like he wanted, he denied Jesus. Right. And then Peter's the one who said, I want to see the wounds, right? No, that was Thomas. No, that was Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. John, though, interestingly, I have my own, we don't have to go into it now, but I have a, uh, a little, my own understanding of why he does this. In John's gospel, we have the same story of Peter denying Jesus three times. And then in John 21, we have the story where Jesus talks to Peter and asks him, do you love me three times and reinstates him. So we get that duality of yeah the back and forth um but that's that doesn't show up in matthew so i don't know franklin why he wouldn't why he didn't mention that in the beginning Mm -hmm. but um 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, know. I, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Iscariot, who betrayed him, but not Peter, who denied him. It but might be that there's a big difference big, there. B- significant difference. Denying yeah. Jesus and rebounding like Peter did. Because yep. we're told that Jesus told him he was going to. I have prayed for you that after you deny me, you will come back. You will yep. return. We have no such story like that with Judas. Right. He's called the son of perdition, actually, that this was, how, whatever language you want to use, was going to happen, and Judas was going to be the guy to do this. Um, so, yeah, in a sense, there's something different between denying him and flat-out rejecting him. Right. And yeah, maybe it, that's the reason. Right, like he's like, Peter never reject, never said, no, he's not. He's like, eh, I'm having a he hard time believing this. <laughs> Yeah, he says, I don't know the man. Right. Which he's protecting his own skin. He doesn't right. want to be killed. Right. Judas is like, give me some money and I'll turn him in if you want to kill him. <laughs> That's different with Peter. Right. Peter isn't handing him over. He's just saying, I don't want the same fate that Jesus has. Right. So I don't know the guy. Yeah. Right. Which is bad enough. I mean. Yeah. Not, yeah, right. Not taken away from yeah. what Peter did. But yeah, it, it, the not to hammer that section too much, but it, it did make me curious about like why. Uh, Philip, Bartholomew, and Thomas, they just weren't, like, they weren't associated by family or right. by who they were or what they did. It's just their name. Right. Uh, yeah. They're just one just part guy, of the group. Just guys. Yeah, that's right. Guys, the boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we move on, right, after they're named, uh, Jesus instructing them to go out. Which is going to be what the whole rest of the chapter is about. Yeah. Is, yeah. So I, I found it inter- interesting that... Um, Jesus is sending the apostles out to instruct the people of Israel, not convert people to believe in him. That's right. It's, hey, you guys got to go. You got to help me correct these people That's right. of Israel. Like they didn't do their part. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And you go talk to them yeah. on my behalf. Right. And it's like, it wasn't, okay, create more followers of me. It was, no, take action against the people who should have been following me closer. Yeah, bring them back. Right. The, sh- the lost sheep of Israel, they have wandered off. Yeah. They're, it's like Jesus is saying, these are my people. I'm their shepherd, and they have wandered. Well, it's like the parable of the uh, sheep. Yeah. Or the, 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 the 99. Sheep. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. yeah, where one goes away, and he's going to go rescue the one. It's like this is what he's doing here. Do not go to any of the town of the Samaritans or the Gentiles, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. Which, okay, so for some people that can be a bother. Like why Jesus doesn't care about Gentiles? Well, it's not true because we just saw him heal Gentiles earlier. So Multiple times. The multiple times. Not so just right. once. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just, but it, just it, a few <laughs> documented cases. <laughs> right. There, there could, could or could not be more unconfirmed <laughs> cases. That's right. Unconfirmed <laughs> There were many things that he did that nobody wrote about, John <laughs> right. tells us. So right, yeah. there are certainly more people that heard. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting that here in Matthew 10, the, go- the, um, the mission of Jesus is to go to Israel first to bring them back. Then it's to go to the Gentiles. And Paul says a similar thing. Salvation is first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. That's the mission that God has set up to get. But, I mean, we can keep going into that. But yes. Yeah. Uh, so verse 13, Jesus says, And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Yeah. I found that interesting, like that. The way in which Jesus described the peace was that it was something that would be noticeable, mm-hmm. that you would feel it. 
almost as in like a presence that it says um, just before that, find out who's worthy and stay there until you depart. Mm-hmm. And I think in the NIV it says, you know, greet. Something about Yeah, greeting. what verse are you looking at? Uh, I think it's like 11, 11, yeah. 11, 12, right before 13. In the ESV it doesn't say it, but in the NIV it does. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Don't you hate that? I yeah. have that so many times where I, I just, and then I just can't find it. Yeah. Verse 13, that concept of the, or the idea of the, the presence that the peace brings mm-hmm. is with, with them. And then like, it's something that they release into the house. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know about this one. Right. It looked good, but it's not really that I need to. Right. Like, and, and like how that applies to us and, uh, like that old saying of you are who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. It, it made me think of like that idea of like, yeah, it, there is, there is that thing about us as humans that we can feel that. Right. And especially here when Jesus is talking about like that peace is like, you can tell when someone is anxious, right They're I mean, they're jitter, right. Mm-hmm. And like, I do it all the time. I just, I spin my pen. I flip my, my, my feedback and forth. And like, it's, you can feel, you can see that peace about someone. Right. Yeah. So I just, I thought it was neat. Right. Yeah. God is definitely about smoothing out chaos. He doesn't like chaos and he likes peace. So it would make sense. Yeah. If you go into a house that's, yeah, there, I mean, (laughs) I can only imagine some of the houses that they walked into (laughs) trying to spread this news to people who are rejecting Jesus. Yeah. They had to come up against it a few times. So yeah, I think his his point is it's not it's theological, but it's practical too. It's at the same time. Don't hang out in the house if they don't want anything to do with you. You leave. It's yeah. not your problem. Well, and it's the same thing um, in Matthew eight that we already went over. Do not give your pearls to sheep and dogs. Exactly, or, that's right. Or pigs and dogs. But yep. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, same same idea. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. So so he says so on the heels of that he continues and says in in verse sixteen, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves which I think leads to what he said or led to what he said before about not hanging out in a chaotic place. Therefore be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves and be on your guard. You will be, and then, okay. So that right there, um, is tough enough. He's, he's got his, his group of followers, his 12 disciples, and your mission is to go reach the house of Israel. And if you want an idea of what it's going to be like for you, it's like you're a bunch of sheep and I'm sending you out into a field full of wolves. Have fun. We know what happens to sheep when they go and they get ripped apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, you're going to be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. You're going to be brought before governors and kings. When they arrest you, though, in verse 19, don't worry about what you're going to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So at the same time where you're thrown into a chaotic situation as a sheep among wolves, it's not that God is not in control of what's going on. He's actually going to speak through you to the people who are flogging you and arresting you and trying to kill you. Like that's part of the mission. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this one of the first times that Jesus actually speaks to the Holy Spirit interceding Oh yeah, on, on our behalf mm-hmm. in our lives. Definitely in Matthew's gospel, it is. Yeah. yeah, and and that's what I was thinking is it's like, it's it's that first like the Holy Spirit is actually coming in mm-hmm. and working and like able like it's that idea of if it's not in you, the Holy Spirit can't pull it out. Yeah. Right. And so uh, they they were prepared. Right. right. 
in everything that they had done leading to that point. Yeah. And Jesus entrusted them mm-hmm. and knew that, you know, okay, you might not know everything, but the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Right. Based on what you've gone through in the past and what I've taught you what you, and all that. And right. even like, yeah, it was that, yeah, idea of like, I think it's one of the first times that Jesus it in is. Matthew's gospel says, okay, yeah. the Holy Spirit is going to come into you, intercede and speak through you yeah. on your behalf. Yeah, and he calls him the spirit of your father, which is interesting for the Gospels too, because often Jesus talks about his father, but now he's talking to the disciples and he says, actually, the spirit of your father, which shows some unity between him and the disciples and and the and God the Father, which is cool too. Um, well, I, I, oh, you, sorry, go you can go ahead. Uh, well, I was just gonna like it's it's getting closer to Jesus' persecution. Yeah, that's right. In this time, right? And so like. Um, they just called him the devil earlier. Right. right. <laughs> we saw that in chapter nine. Yeah. Right. And, and I think as we've talked about in past episodes, like when Jesus first started, he wasn't for certain, maybe a hundred percent what his mission, right. Was he was still uh, learning and figuring that out along the way. And like here, it seems to be like, okay, he's starting to come a lot more in alignment with him actually being God and man at the same time. And how that implements it yeah. into his presence here on earth. That's right. Like you said, like it's, he says the spirit of your father speaking. Yeah. And it's like, mm, that right. makes me think, okay, he's coming in a lot more familiar and understanding of how this mm-hmm. dynamic process works of yeah. him being a man and God. And bringing them along with him. Right. So not just like, but okay, now I'm going to teach you something here in the middle of instructions that I'm giving you to go in and, and, and bring people back. Um, I've heard this verse sometimes, which I think is an incorrect interpretation to say, uh, well, is there really need for studying or reading that much? Because the spirit of your father is going to give you what to say, when to say it. That is taking this sentence, which of all the stories in Matthew's gospel, this is a super particular story for the time. Like, um, it's difficult to take what Jesus says in here and apply it to us directly. Because we were not a part of the 12. We were not going to the, to the uh, house of Israel to bring them back. Um, there are some things we're persecuted, and, and some people are led by God into persecution, and I'm sure they draw encouragement from this. But in the same way, like getting up and preaching on a Sunday morning or going to a Bible study and being prepared or not prepared, it's not a time to use this verse and say, well, if the Spirit of God is going to say anything, he's just going to, it's your point. If you haven't done the work before, aided by the spirit, of course, but if you haven't done the work before, then you, you have nothing to say to anybody. Yeah. These guys weren't coming in cold feet. They had been with Jesus. Oh, he heals people. Oh, he talks to demons. Oh, he, he deals with, um, women in the community a certain way that people haven't done it before. Look how he stands up to the religious leaders and corrects them or rebukes them in some places. They, they knew they had a storehouse of things to say. It was just, he's saying, when you're getting arrested, just let it happen and you'll have something to say when the time comes. Yeah. So then he continues. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is kind of where, um, I'm just curious, like, what do you guys think he's saying when he says like brother will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Like through this context of what we're facing here, what, um, what, what, what does he mean? I think he's describing um, 
the situation that they're getting ready to step into. Uh huh. So they're going to be going into families, into homes yeah. where they're going to talk about the Messiah, Jesus, to people who are lost. Yeah. They're, the sh- they're the house of Israel, they're sheep, and they have gone astray from their shepherd. Right. And he's got to bring them back. And I doubt that everybody in the house at the same time is going to go, oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh. Somebody's probably going to say, yeah, I get it. And then the dad's going to be, well, you're not going to be a part of this family if you're following him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have conflict between people. And I think that's what's what's going to happen here. Brother's going to be betray brother to death the father's child children are even going to rebel against their parents and have them put to death like what i'm doing is he's going to say something even gonna, more i was going to say later on when he yeah, talks what's about he not peace but a sword yeah, that's right right like he obviously yeah he says do not think i've come to bring peace to this earth i've not come to bring peace but a sword mm-hmm. right and so it like kevin said it was it's that idea of like okay you know he isn't setting out to cause that divisiveness, but in his teaching as a result of that may lead to divisiveness because the world is so evil. Right. Because, right. because mm-hmm. he's instructing a kingdom life. Right. Right. And like Kevin said, you know, there, there may be disagreements, mm-hmm. right. As we know was very common in that time of, well, who is this Jesus guy? Right. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, sorry. there was yeah. a lot of disagreement. Right, I mean, between, and still today, you know I what mean, I mean. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, one hundred percent, there's there's that. Your family are your closest. Yep. Right, and so, yeah, there, there's going to be slight or major disagreements in belief. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Jesus wasn't coming to cause that. He wasn't setting out to say, okay, you know, I want you two to quarrel as as son and and father. Right. But at the same time. He knows that what he's saying isn't necessarily uh, along the lines of what they had believed prior. Right. It's going to happen. Right. And, right. and so as a result of that, this new uh, radical idea or line of thought, well, they would have thought it's radical. We don't. But they may have right at the time. Right. Is like, mm, I don't know if I agree with that. Right. But then the son's like, I really agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, you have your divisiveness. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a difference between saying, well, Jesus says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I came to bring a sword, which, um, is we sometimes want to soften that language a little bit. And I'm not disagreeing with you, Cody. Um, sometimes we can soften that language and say, did he really, maybe he meant, well, naturally it's going to be like, I came bringing a sword. Well, Jesus didn't say naturally, this is the result of it. He said, part of my, okay, so this is where I think we can cross the line. Jesus doesn't say my entire mission is to create division amongst people. What he is saying though, is that built into my mission, this is the result of some of it. There's, I, it it would be easy. I, if I came just to bring peace, I could come and say, you guys just do whatever you want to do believe whatever you want. You don't have to believe in me, whatever. Then there's going to be peace everywhere. He didn't. He said, you, you must respond to me and not everybody's going to respond the same way. And in that way I came to bring, yeah, I came to bring a sword. No. Right. And I mean, you can look at it in any, any fashion. I mean, when it comes to this, I mean, um, when any two parties do not agree in the way that things should be ran, mm-hmm. there's going to be a disagreement. And we see this throughout history time and time again, and it 
continually happens, unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's bring in the, the not piece, but a sword, that conversation to yeah. this one. And then can maybe you point out the verse back. number to me? Yeah. 30, I can. Uh, 34 to 39. There it is. Thank yeah. you. And then we can bounce back to 26. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, this idea of that divisiveness or family members quarreling and whatnot, mm-hmm. one, it makes me wonder why, why, right? But then it also makes me wonder, okay, is it, is it for us to find, to experience or express maybe the love that he has, right? Because like you said, he, he didn't set out to cause this, but knows that this is a result or part of it. Yeah. Um, like, okay, is this for us to experience love in a way that is far greater than we would have without that? Right. Right. Because the, the saying or the phrase of you hurt the ones you love the most, mm-hmm. right? It's unfortunate, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. It's it's a true fact. You know what I mean? And so in that, as a result of that hurt, that love or that bond is go- is naturally stronger most of the time. Right. As long as you're, you know, carrying out a relationship with love, whether it be mom, dad, brother, sister, blah, blah, blah and so on. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it made me ask the question of, like, not that he wanted to cause divisiveness, but he knew it was going to happen. Right. And so him using this to say, okay, this is what love looks like moving through that moving past that mm-hmm. divisiveness what jesus what i think jesus is jesus wanted was to bring back his people to himself and he knows that in doing that like he has experienced throughout his public ministry people wanted to call him the devil wanted to kill him wanted to um say that he was blaspheming god by by saying that he's forgiving sins he knows that there's division already. People hate him for what he's saying. And he's telling his disciples, this is yours too. Like he says, um, when he talks about the teacher and the student thing. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So let's back up to verse 24 through 25 to fill this out a little bit more. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like their teachers and the servants like their master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, which he has been, how much more for the members of his household? Like if they're going to do this to me, mm-hmm. what you guys are going to get is going to be worse. Like they're going to come after you because they're scared of me and they're doing this. They're not scared of you guys. You're nobody. You're fishermen. You don't know anything. And and a, and part of the result of that is, yeah, people are going to they're going to lose their minds over what I'm saying and in the process of bringing order and peace, there's going to be a lot of chaos through this. Not because to your point, Cody, I love chaos. Um, I'm just being honest with you that on the road to peace here, um, there's going to be a lot of loss. Right. This is going to happen. Right. I mean, there's no getting around it. No, right. This is part of that journey. Right. That we're going on. Right. But then he backs that up in verse 26 with saying, so don't be afraid of them. You know, you don't have to be scared. Um, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. Don't be don't be worried about um, opening your mouth. Um, and then he says in verse twenty eight, one of my favorite sections here, um, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Which, if all they can do to us or to them is to take our lives from us, okay, take it. Yeah, I heard a pastor one day say. Like if, if somebody had a gun to his head and was like, you do this or that or else I'm going to kill you. His response, hopefully in faith, would be make my day. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to send me to Jesus? <laughs> right. Like, 
I've been and, waiting for this day. Right. <laughs> and it's, I mean, obviously we would, our family would miss us and right. I don't want to leave prematurely, but if that's the worst that anybody can do to you right. is to send you home. Okay. Then you're doing more good than harm in yep. the end. And I think that's what he's saying right here. There is one that we ought to be I was fearful say, of. To piggyback off that, like it, it, Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body, meaning there's multiple. Mm-hmm. But then he says, uh, rather fear him who yeah. can destroy both soul and body, meaning one. Yeah. One person. One. Right. You're right. The yeah. enemy. Well, okay. Ooh. So here's the. <laughs> but that. So yeah. what were you thinking? Well, what I think is um, when, I mean, we're either going to be sent to heaven or we're going to be sent to hell. Okay. Right. So, I mean, yes, you're right, Cody. When when we get sent to hell, um, God or the devil is the only one that can destroy both soul and body. But or when, can he? Well, okay. Well, so so uh, I, my interpretation yes. is uh, Jesus is saying that people can kill your body, mm-hmm. yeah. but can't kill your soul. Right. right. And then he switches it and says, "Fear him who can destroy." Who can destroy? Destroy doesn't mean in totality gone. Okay. Right. Killing means there's no life left. Mm-hmm. Destroying means there's a foundation that's broken, but not mm-hmm. completely gone. Hey, mm-hmm. Okay. Right. right. And so the the enemy can destroy yeah. your body and your soul. Can he? So so here's the thing: who is in charge of? Okay, so we talk about hell, um, mm-hmm. and that's a whole big conversation. Are are we? sent to hell is hell a place is hell actually a place like heaven is a place or is it um paul talks about being destroyed continually forever never reaching the point of non-existence but Mm -hmm. but your your rest of your eternity is a process of being destroyed the question though see we often when we think of hell and the devil and everything and we think of god and in heaven we say well god runs heaven and the devil runs hell. Yeah. I don't think that's what scripture says. You're right. Because it says in Revelation that the that the um beast and the false prophet are cast down and the devil is thrown into the lake of fire to be tormented. The the lake of fire or hell or final judgment is not the devil's kingdom. It is judgment upon those who have continually rejected and reject Jesus. Right. Who are antichrists who are anti the Messiah. And so um, I'm not setting out to say, you guys, your interpretation is wrong. I This is part of this podcast is working through these conversations. So just to put it out there, and we can come back to it later on. We don't have to settle it right now. Is it possible that who Jesus is talking about is God? God is the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's the one that you ought to be fearful of. We have a fear of God. It's not the devil. What's the devil going to do? He's under, he can only do what the father lets him do. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. He can't do anything to us. So, so uh, th- that was light what I said. I said Job. Um, oh, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, you said that, uh, yeah. definitely made me change my mind. Well, well, like, because I mean, looking in the, the context more when you bring, uh, bring that perspective, right? It's like, um, he's talking about how they're, the apostles are going to be ridiculed. They're going to be blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on, have no fear. And then he continues mm-hmm. uh, referring to those people. They mm-hmm. can kill your body. Mm-hmm. Don't fear those. 
but fear the one who actually can. And then he continues with saying how much the father values right. them. Right. So I, yeah, I, I would agree in, in what you had said about, I, I don't know that it is the devil or the enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it points more to the fact that God is the supreme ruler of all things right. and not so much, well, God's going to come and get you. He's going to destroy you if you mess up. But to say, look, the one in charge here is not those people. It's not the synagogue rulers. It's not even the devil. God is the one in charge. He's the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You fear him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then your point exactly, well, Jesus's point, that he, you are worth more than many sparrows. If, If God, if the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell cares for you, then nobody can touch you. The worst anybody can do to you is kill you. And that's if that's the worst they can do to you, then right. that's pretty good. Right. You know? Because there's a lot more to this <laughs> yeah, than, that's right. than just your, your body. And right. That's good. right. Yeah. Yeah. So then chapter 10 wraps up with, um, again, um, it, he talked about uh, family members and, and, and uh, brothers and fathers and children. And here we get now focused in on Jesus. I always like verse 40. Yeah, go sorry ahead. To, sorry it. to cut you no, off. No, you're but good. I've just always loved it. whoever receives me or whoever receives you receives me. Mm-hmm. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. That's right. Yeah. And I, I've just, um, that's in John too. Mm-hmm. John says it. And I've just always, I've always liked that where. Yeah. Yeah. Who, well, or, well, John says, whoever receives me receives the father who sent me. Um, and John makes the equal opposite point. That whoever rejects me rejects the Father as well. Exactly, yeah. and, and I've just always, I've always liked how they just correlate with yeah. that. Yeah, and yep. that's a big thing for here because you have a bunch of people saying, "No, we love God, we just hate you." Right. And Jesus is saying, "No, nah, that's not how it works. You can't have both." Right. 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 You can't love God and hate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And even with your family. So if you're gonna love, which he's not saying, don't love your mother or your father. He's saying, if you value what I've given you more than the giver, then we have something mixed up here. Like, like we have to, we have to reorder some things. You love them more by loving me more than them. And that's, that's how things uh, work. Yeah. No, at first it, um, that like the one who receives a prophet Mm -hmm. will get a prophet's reward. One who receives righteous. It was like, why, why separate the two? Yeah. Like, why did Jesus identify both of them as being different? Right. And the gifts are different. And it's like, so a prophet's going to be one, like Isaiah, like Moses, like, mm-hmm. and, and a righteous person may not be a prophet. Right. But still yeah. following and, and right. living in a kingdom life. And responding to people in accordance with who they are. Right. You respond to a prophet like you do a prophet, a righteous person like a righteous person. If somebody needs a cup of cold water, the, well, Jesus. Okay, so we can wrap it up with here. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. Yeah, like that's as far down as it goes. So it's pretty wild. But there's a lot there in chapter ten. Yeah, yeah, there was. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us again on another episode of the Conversations on Jesus podcast, and we hope to see you again.